Amen. Good morning. How are we today? It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, before we get into the word this morning, have uh, just a, a little bit of an of announcement. Some of you are probably already aware of this, but um, for those of you who are not, uh, I'm going to be gone for the next six weeks. I'm going on um, sabbatical. Um, I've been the pastor here in March for 10 years, and uh, it's been great, a great 10 years. And before that, I was a youth pastor here uh, for about three years. Um, but the church, the church council has been very kind and very generous in allowing me to take an extended uh, time of, of rest so that I can uh, dream a little bit uh, about our church. I can go and spend some time with some other pastors um, and just be encouraged and be built up um, and really just continue uh, to have the energy uh, for, for leading um, our church. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for our church. Uh, so for the next six weeks, I, I won't be here, but you are in for a treat because there's some, there some studs coming to preach um, that, are, that are some really good preachers, people who are probably better than me. And so I, I think you're in for a real treat. So it's not a time to take, take time off. Oh, the pastors, no, there's some really good people who are going to come and speak. And every time the word of God is open, you know that God is going to speak to you. Amen. And so we have other brothers who are going to come, some of the brothers that you know. Gion's going to preach one of those Sundays. Barry's going to preach one of those Sundays. Uh, Pastor Manuel is going to preach, or from Batania is going to preach one of those Sundays. Uh, we have Rick Martinez, who is the director of the Miami Baptist Association. He's coming to preach for us next week. Uh, my father-in-law, Dr. Gary Johnson, who was the former director of the Miami Baptist Association, is going to preach. And then Avery Jones is going to preach. And if you know Avery... Avery is, he's just, he's been such a, a powerful influence in my life. You need pastoral counseling or you need something that, that you would rely typically on a pastor for. I'm going to ask our deacons if they would stand right now. Uh, deacons, would you please stand where you are? Um, here's, here's four of them right here. Um, any of these men right here, um, you can go to them and they will put you in contact with a pastor that we have on call. Does that make sense? So we have pastors, the same pastors who have, are going to be preaching are, are going to be available to anybody who needs any type of help at all. But you can go to any of these men, and they will put you in contact. So uh, our church is not going to be without pastoral shepherding over the, over the next six weeks, okay? And plus, these, these men will love you too, and they're great guys to go to as well, okay? All right, so thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, so I wanted you guys to know that. Uh, if you didn't know that, and you might be wondering, you know, hey, where is that guy? You know, did they kick him to the curb? No, no I'm... I, I'm coming back. I'm just taking an extended, uh, an extended time, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful to you as a church for allowing me to have that. I'm grateful to you as a church for allowing me to be your pastor. Um, it has really been a true honor uh, to be your pastor, um, and I love each and every one of you. I love my sheep. I love you guys. I love you. Um, and so with that being said, we are going to close out our series today that we've been in, a short series. We're in week three of a series that we have entitled The Promises of God, and in week one, we looked at God's promise that he'll never leave us in, by temptation, meaning he'll always provide a way out of temptation for you. And today we're going to be in Mark chapter 11. So if you have a Bible, you want to go there with me, Mark chapter 11. We're going to see that God promises that we can move mountains. We can move mountains. And that's our, really our only point today, is that God promises that those who pray in faith can move mountains. And so I want us to read our text this morning, and we're going to break down this incredible promise of God. If you didn't bring a Bible, don't worry, the verses will come up here on the screen. 
Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 20. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this what? Mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you of your sins. You know, most of us probably ask the exact same question when we read what Jesus says here. And the question is, Jesus, you for real? Like, like this, this are, you, are you being for real here? Are we supposed to really take you know, a mountain thrown into the sea? I've never seen that. I've never seen someone pick up a mountain or tell a mountain to go jump into the sea. And it's like, sure, and it just kind of hops over there, causing earthquakes all the way into the water. I've never seen that before. But friends, that's the issue right off the bat here this morning. That's the issue, is that Jesus is telling us that we could tell a mountain in faith to get up and move, and that mountain would do it. That's kind of mind-blowing. It really is. I mean, again, I've never spoken to a mountain before, right? I've never seen someone speak to a mountain. If I saw someone speak to a mountain, I'd probably think, you know, their mental well-being is not right, right? Something's not, something not happening here. But, friends, it's right here in this text. Jesus says it. So the question is, what are we supposed to do with this text? What are we supposed to do with what Jesus is saying here? Our first response is to try to explain this away somehow, to try to kind of give God an out here. You know, a man was discussing this promise with his young son one day that Jesus had said that we can move mountains. And so the little boy started looking around for things in his house that he could tell to get up and move. He was looking at the couch. He was looking at the lamp. He was looking at the desk, and he's like, you know, trying to tell these things to move. And so the dad kind of, you know, rebuked the boy, and he was like, hey, don't test the Lord. Don't, don't, don't test the Lord. But you know what? That little boy demonstrated a faith that many of us don't demonstrate, right? Because how many of us think that God can actually move that mountain? You know, it would be hard to find a bigger promise or maybe a, a more unlikely promise than the one that Jesus gives us in our text today. And just like the other two that we've looked at in this series, you know, this is probably going to be the more challenging one for you to believe. Because in the beginning, when we hear that Jesus says, you know, I'll, I'm never going to leave you, I'm never going to forsake you, we're like, yep, got it, I believe that, That's, that sounds believable, I'm good with that one. Oh, I'm always going to provide a way out of temptation for you, uh, so that temptation doesn't have to over, overpower you, I won't let it overpower you. We go, okay, I like that one too, I believe that, that's, that's believable. But then when we hear something like this, when we hear what, that you can take a mountain and throw it into the sea, all of a sudden we start to go, well, I don't know about this one. This is a promise of God, but I'm not really sure about this one. And then we start to what? We start to doubt. We doubt. And so I want to start our time by looking at what Jesus says, or commands rather, in verse 22. He, he says four words, and, and these are the key to, to the lock this morning. He says, have faith where? In God. Have faith in God. Pretty straightforward command from Jesus here in, in verse 4. Four words, have faith in God. It's simple, but it's incredibly profound. Throughout Scripture, we see that God commands his people to have faith in him. 
And that word have there is in the present imperative in the Greek and in your life. It's to be constant in your life, that you are to rely on God, that you are to trust in God, that you are to believe in God. And I would submit to you that that is only possible through the empowering and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your life. You will not be able to even have this kind of faith apart from the Holy Spirit. You will not be able to obey God apart from the Holy Spirit. The word have there is also plural in the Greek, which means that Jesus is not just talking to Peter, who's the one who talked to him. He's talking to all the disciples at one time. He's talking to all of them, and this is a divine command. So he's not just addressing Peter. He's addressing all of them, and he's telling them what? Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Don't miss this. There's this exclusivity of faith here. And that's all that Jesus is requiring of them is faith. Faith is required for what? For sanctification. Faith is required for salvation. Right? It's not faith plus anything else. It's just faith. Right? Faith will lead to these other things, but it starts with faith. You know, I think the Beatles sing a song that all you need is what? Love. That's not true. Right, listen, that, that's not true. What you need is faith. You need faith. Now, the important point here is that faith is not faith in faith. Does that make sense? It's not faith in faith. It's not faith in something, you know, out there. That's like, that's like new age garbage, you know, um, someone. And God, what Jesus is saying here, is God is to be the object of your faith. So where are you placing your faith? You're placing your faith in God. See, faith is only as good as the object in which it trusts in. It's only as good as in which the object that it's trusting in. So, listen, let me give it to you this way. If you're single, you can have a lot of faith in Cupid. You know Cupid, right? The little chubby guy with the diaper and the arrow. You know, you can have a lot of faith in that guy. But you're going to be disappointed. Why? Because Cupid doesn't exist. There is no, and some of you are like, <gasps> Yeah, there's no, there's no such thing as Cupid, right? Uh, but listen, if you have true, deep faith in the God of the Bible, you have access to the power of heaven. If you have faith in the God of the Bible, you have access to the power of God. God has already blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, right? But through faith in Christ, check this out, you also have this power that's available to you. You have access to God's power. Think of it this way. Uh, you at your house, you have a contract with either FPL or you have a contract with the city of Homestead to provide you with electricity. And so now legally, they provide your home with electricity. But you still have to tap into it, don't you? You still either have to plug in or you have to turn available to you, isn't it? It's available to you and it's the same way with God. Same exact way with God. And faith is how we tap into the power of God. You know, of course, God, or here, Jesus really wants them to have faith in him, but his, his focus is teaching them to have faith in God. You know, there's a, a familiar phrase that many of you have, have heard is that prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. And I would tell you this, and I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be argumentative when I say this. It, prayer doesn't change things. God changes things. God is the one who changes things. Some people think that it, prayer itself is the source of power, and so they try prayer. They try prayer. They hope that prayer will work for them. But what Jesus says in Mark chapter 11 here is that he gives the secret behind prayer. And the secret behind prayer is have faith where? In God. 
Like, if you want to know what's the secret to having a great prayer life, it's that you would have faith in God, the one that you're talking to in prayer. Amen? Listen, it's not, again, it's not faith in faith. It's not faith in prayer. It's faith in God. Right? Jesus told his disciples that they could tell a mountain to get up and to go into the sea. And if they believed it would happen, it would happen. Right? And so Jesus gives them the meaning behind that promise there. And he says this in verse 24. He says, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you answered prayer. You and I, we can ask and we can receive answers only if our asking is directed to God in faith and it's according to the will of God. Faith is the key to answered prayer. I want to talk about faith for a moment because I don't want to just assume that everybody knows what Jesus means when he says have faith. What does, what does that mean? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for. I'm going to give you a, a, a way that um, I, I love how Dr. Tony Evans describes faith. Um, if you're looking for you to, to get fed during the week and you want to listen to someone who's a great um, Bible teacher, Dr. Tony Evans, write that name, that, that name down. He is, he's phenomenal. But here's how he describes what faith is. He says, faith is not a sense. Faith is not sight. Faith is not a reason. Faith is simply taking God at his word. Taking God at his word. Listen to how Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, described faith. He says, faith is the foots of the soul by which it can march along the road of the commandments. Love can make the feet move more swiftly, but faith is the foot that carries the soul. Faith is the oil enabling the wheels of holy devotion and of earnest piety to move well. Without faith, the wheels are taken from the chariot, and all we do is drag on the floor. Imagine a horse just dragging a chariot with no wheels. Kind of hard, right? Still going to move forward. And so he says, with faith, I can do all things. Without faith... I'll never even have the inclination or the power to do anything in the service of God. If you want to find men who serve God the best, you got to look for the men who are of the most faith. Amen? Little faith will save a man, but little faith cannot do great things for God. Little faith will go to heaven, but oftentimes that little faith finds itself in a nutshell. Little faith says, it's a rough road ahead. There's sharp thorns ahead. There's full of dangers ahead. I'm scared to go. But great faith remembers what God has said, that your shoes will be as iron and as brass, and your strength will be the same. And so faith helps us to keep moving forward. He ends with this. He says, if you love darkness. How many of you, does anybody love darkness? He says, if you love darkness, and if you're satisfied to live in gloom, and if you're satisfied to live in misery, he says, then be content with your little faith. But if you love the sunshine and if you want to sing songs of rejoicing, then covet the earnest, earnestly the best gift there is, and that is great faith. Great faith. It's been said that faith is not believing in spite of evidence against something. Right? That would be called superstition. We don't do that. Right? We believe that there's plenty of evidence for the things that we, we talk about in Scripture. The key marker of real biblical faith is obeying God in spite of, told a story um, during a drought in England. And the pastor called his entire church to a prayer meeting because there was a, a severe drought and the crops weren't able to grow and so now people were starting to starve. And so they were praying, they were going to have this prayer meeting that God would send much needed rain. And so that day, it was a bright, cloudless day. Not a cloud in the sky. But this lady named Mary, she came with an umbrella. Why? She said, because, well, we're coming to a prayer meeting, so I thought that I should bring my umbrella. And everybody laughed at her. 
Everybody laughed at Mary, and even the pastor came up to her, and he kind of patted her on the shoulder, and he was like, bless your heart. Well, what happened as they were praying, the clouds started rolling in, started to get a little dark outside, and wouldn't you know it, the heavens opened up, and it, and it rained. Mary's the only one who goes home dry. Everybody else goes home wet. And friends, listen, hear me on this. Lean in. That's exactly what faith is. Faith is bringing an umbrella to a prayer meeting for rain. That's what faith looks like. Faith is I'm, I am ready for God to answer this prayer. I'm going to move forward as if God is going to answer this prayer. Listen, it's not as if Jesus here is saying, hey, Peter, you know, you, you can do this on your own. You can take the mountain of olives and you can go throw it into the sea. That's not the meaning of what Jesus is saying here. Peter couldn't do it. James couldn't do it. The disciples couldn't do it. I can't do it. You can't. Right? Let's not even talking about a mountain. You can't even tell the chair next to you to get up and move. Some of you can't even get your kid out of bed in the morning. You know what I'm talking about? Right? So it's impossible for us. But check this out. It wasn't impossible for who? For God. Right? And friends, that's the whole point. You have to remember the context of the story. The context is, is that Jesus has, has cursed this fig tree, and the disciples were just blown away that Jesus curses this fig tree and it dies. Like, they're blown away by this. And those verses come right before this text. And it was as if Jesus was saying to his disciples, he was saying, you were amazed by what I did to that little fig tree? Did you know that when you have faith in God, you can do much more than that? You're blown away by this little fig tree I told it to die and it died? You're blown away by that? And if you have faith in God, look, what you can do so much more than that. You can have so much more than that. Listen, Jesus was getting at that him cursing this fig tree was a display of the power of God that you and I have access to in prayer. You have access to God in this. And when you draw near to God, you have access to this kind of power. But many of us are content to go, I'm okay with not having this kind of power. I'm okay with living a mediocre life, having a mediocre walk, not seeing miracles happen in my life or around me. We're okay with that. We're satisfied with that. Why are we satisfied with We have this kind of access to what Jesus is saying here is to my disciples. He's saying, I want you to have bold faith. I want you to have bold faith. I want you to have such confidence in God that, that you are prepared to ask God to do anything, even if it looks impossible, that you're bold enough to ask God to even do it. How many of us are prepared to ask God to do the impossible? Oftentimes, we're willing to pray for things that look possible because we're scared to ask God to do the impossible. So we don't pray for the impossible because we're too scared. But what Jesus says, I want you to have bold faith in, have bold faith in God. Have bold faith in God. Why? Because look at what God can do. A simple little tree dies and you're blown away by that. God can do so much more than that. And he's telling them through God, you can tell that mountain to get up and move and it'll move. Jesus talks about moving mountains into the sea. And the point is that God wants to do things for his people that are beyond our imagination. See, when we sit here and we limit God by our imagination, what happens? We're putting God in this box God doesn't belong in a box. He's too big, right? And so he, he, he wants us to ask him to be able to do things that are beyond our imagination. And so what, what Jesus is telling the disciples, I want to quote um, Alistair Begg. He's another great preacher that you can look up and, and listen to throughout the week. And here's what he said about this text here. I love his, his commentary on this text. He said, we, he says, that should be the house of prayer, but there's no prayer going on in the house of God. It's been turned into a market. And now Jesus turns his, his attention to the disciples. He says, you are my men. 
You saw what happened to this tree. That is a model of what you will do one day when you take me at my word and when you do what God has designed for you to do. See, friend, listen, you and I, oftentimes we, we're upset or we wish that we had more faith. I've been there. Has anybody else ever been there before? You wish you just had more faith. You wish you had more faith in God. Listen, it's not so much about the amount of faith. It's the object of your faith. It's the object of your faith. For instance, when you sat down in that chair, see, every one of you is sitting down in a chair this morning. You know that? And every single one of you, when you sat in that chair this morning, guess what you thought? You thought this chair was going to hold you. That's why you sat. If, if you had been told, if someone had warned you and said, hey, don't sit there, that leg is broken. If you sit down, it's going to fall. What was going to happen? All of a sudden, your faith in that chair would be gone. You would never have sat down in it because, you know, you would have fallen and then probably everybody would have laughed, right? Yeah, we would have. We would have. We would have done it. Now, listen, you sat in that chair this morning because you had faith in that chair. That chair would hold you up. And look, is that chair still holding you up? Yeah, it's, you're, it's showing you the fact that you're still sitting there and you haven't gotten up from that chair shows you that you still have faith in that chair. You're still sitting in that chair. In Mark chapter 11, and again, it began when they, they heard that Jesus had cursed this fig tree. The next morning, Peter says, look, the fig tree that you cursed, it's died. And again, Jesus goes back to God being the object of their faith. And Jesus assures them that they too can ask for amazing things in prayer if it's in God-centered faith. And friends, hear me on this. So can you and I. Did you know that you also can ask God for amazing things in prayer? You can ask God for amazing things in prayer. Oftentimes, there's a, there's a sad reality to this. And this happens in the church world quite a bit is we praise those who have great faith in God. Oh my gosh, that person has the best faith. Look at their faith. Look at how they pray, or whatever it might be. We, we praise these people for having great faith in God. And Ian Thomas, he once preached about this. He said this. He said, when we congratulate people for having faith in our creator, we're really saying that God is so decrepit that they're to be congratulated for actually believing in him. Is that who God is? No. He, and then he continued. He said, to become less conscious conscious of faith, we must become more acquainted with the object of our faith. Meaning what? What does all this mean? You and I, we've got to get to know God better. The more time you spend in your Bible, the more time you get in the Word of God, the closer you get to God, the more trusting in God is going to be like sitting in that, reading the Word, and you're going, oh, I believe this, and because I believe this, I'm going to ask him to do these things. He said I could. I don't, listen, he's not telling you don't ask for that. that. That might be too big. He doesn't qualify that. He, he gave you the, maybe the most outlandish example that he possibly could give you. He was like, tell that mountain to get up and move, and it'll move. Faith in God. That's pretty bold. That is pretty bold this morning. Martin Luther once said, faith alone, which commits itself to God, can sing the song of triumph before the battle even happens. And raise the shout of joy before help has ever even been attained. Again, Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now, how do we make sure that we accurately apply this text? Right? Because there's some rules here that when we apply this, we got to see some things about this promise. Number one, this promise is exhaustive. Meaning what? Jesus says, whatever you ask for. Like, whatever you ask for, and whatever means what? Whatever, like anything, anything that you ask for, it means anything. Number two, this promise is restrictive. 
So it's exhaustive. It means anything, whatever. But it's also restrictive, and it means Jesus says you have to believe that you re- you've received it. So it's restricted to that. If you have not believed you received it, then it, you're believing that you received it. And number three, this promise is precise. Jesus says you will have it. You will have it. Ray Pritchard once said, he, he said, note the changes of the tenses here in the text. There's the present tense. He says, whatever you ask for, that's present, that's happening now. And he says, then there's the past, you have received it. And then there's the future, it will be yours. So it's kind of confusing when you look at it like that, right? The, the, the different changes of, 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 the, of the tenses here. And so what is he saying? He's saying that we're to pray in the present with the assurance that God has already granted our request, even though the, the answer is not going to come until the future. That's mind-blowing. But that's exactly what Jesus is saying. That's exactly how Jesus is telling us to pray. Now, again, it might be a little confusing. Some of you might be saying, Jordan, is Jesus saying to be confident that God has already given us what we're asking for, even though we're asking for it in that moment and it hasn't come yet? Yes. You're to, you're to pray with that kind of faith and that kind of boldness. Does that describe your prayer life? It hasn't always described my prayer life, certainly. This is something that I've struggled with too. So if you're struggling with this, hey, we're, we're in the same boat today. But we can't stay in this boat. We've got to get to the firm foundation, which is God's word, which tells us that, hey, you can pray this way. You can have this kind of faith. It is possible. God is already in the future, isn't he? He's already in the future. He's already working to accomplish his will. So if God is already in the future and he's working all things together for his glory to accomplish his will and help us for our good, it makes sense that when you pray for things that are God's will, you can be confident that those things are going to be given to you when you pray for things that are in God's will. Now, this had to remind the disciples of what Jesus talked about on the Sermon on the Mount, right? Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, what? Receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, would give him a stone? Any of you? Any of you, parents, your kid asks for some bread, you say, here's a rock, chew on it. No, nah, nobody's here, no one's doing that, right? Right, he says, or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. Anybody? Saying, hey, you're hungry for some, you know, for a sandwich, but, you know, here's a python. No, like no one's doing that, right? If you then, though you are evil, which we all are, we're, we, have, we have wicked hearts, what scripture teaches, right? And if we who are evil know how to give good gifts to our kids, how much more will your Father in heaven, who's perfect, who has no evil in him whatsoever, how much more will he give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, some of you who might be a little bit more charismatic text, but remember, all of Scripture fits together. So I don't say that to throw a wet blanket on you. I say that because there's a qualification to what Jesus is saying here. All of Scripture fits together. Scripture never contradicts itself. So Scripture always fits together. Now, check this out. I want to direct your attention to, to James chapter 4, verse 3. Because here's a qualification to what Jesus is saying. James was the brother of Jesus, and here's what he said. He said, you ask and you don't receive because you ask it to consume it for your own desires. You ask for it to consume your own desires. The Bible is very clear on the qualifications here of prayer. What are those qualifications? Is a qualification just that you have to have a little bit of faith? No. 
That's not the qualification here. No, you are to ask according to whatever is God's will. And one of the greatest models of this is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus, in, in, in Mark chapter 14, he's in the garden and he's sweating great drops of blood the night before he's going to be executed. You guys know this story, right? He's, he's in the garden. He's all by himself. He's asked his disciples to pray. They keep falling asleep. You know, those dudes couldn't rely on them. And he keeps, he keeps going back to them trying to wake them up. They, they, they keep falling asleep. And he goes back to being by himself. And he's in such mental anguish, such spirit to be crucified, which in it by itself, cruci- crucifixion was, was a horrible way. And because there's little kids here, I won't go into that. It's terrible. It was the worst way to go. But he also knew he was about to be separated from the Father. He also knew that the Father was going to pour out his full wrath on him for sin. So imagine, this is what's coming the very next day. So yes, it makes sense that he would sweat great drops of blood, which is, is an actual medical condition. You can look it up. But here's what he says. Lean into what Jesus says here. Mark chapter 14, verse 36 Abba, Father, everything is possible for who? For you. Take this cup away from me. But, well, check this out, listen. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Not my will be done, your will be done. One scholar, his name is Scroggy, he he once said this. He said, to faith, God's promise is just as good as his performance. And so the believing soul enjoys the answer even before it arrives. What does all this mean? When we pray in faith for the Lord's will, what faith helps you to do is help, faith helps you to see the fulfillment of it before you even say amen. Like before you even say the word amen, you're already seeing the, the fulfillment of that prayer happening. And faith says, this is what it looks like when this gets answered. This is what this is going to look like when this gets answered. Some of you are here today and you needed to hear this message today. None of you are here by accident. You understand that, right? Every single one of you from a child all the way to adult, you are here on purpose this morning because God brought you here. He wanted you to hear this message. Some of you want mountains moved in your life right now today. Some of you, you know, listen, you have a big mountain facing you, whatever it might be. I want you to know and I want you to hear this, God knows. God knows whatever it is that you're desiring to move in your life today. He understands your pain. He understands your concerns. He understands your cries. He hears your pleas for healing. He hears your your pleas for him to heal your marriage. He hears your your pleas for, for him to bring back a wayward child who's not walking with the Lord. Someone who's not walking and who's walking in rebellion. God gets it. God gets that some of you this morning right here, right now, are struggling financially today. And what God wants you to know right now in this moment is that you are on his mind and you are on his heart. We go back to our week one promise, right? God says, I'll never leave you and I'll never what? I'll never forsake you. He's not going to hold, listen, God is not going to withhold anything that is good from you. This is who our father is. He's a good father. I talked about this. I had a bad dad and then I got a stepdad and he was even worse. You know, terrible. So, so it was hard for me to, to sit there and go, well, but I got to trust God as a father because the two fathers that I knew were terrible. But our God is a good father. He loves perfectly. He has no evil in him whatsoever. 
And our good father says, I'm not withholding anything good from you. You're my child. You're my daughter. You're my son. I love you. I'm not going to withhold anything good from you. But remember, listen, all things work together for your good as you love him. All things work together for your good. And as you ask him in faith, right, in, in his will, it will be given to you. Friend, listen, you can pour your heart out to Jesus today. Wherever you're going through today, you can pour your heart out to Jesus. You can come in faith and in boldness to his throne this morning. Always, though, it's this. Not my will, Father, but yours be done. Whatever your will is, it's your will be done. Now, why do we qualify it with this? Why do we qualify? We're asking for the mountain to be moved, but we say, but God, if it's your will for this to be moved, then you move it. Why do we qualify it that way? Here's why. Lean in. Because God is greater than us. God is smarter than us. He's wiser than us. He's more generous than us. He's more kind than we are. He's, he's good. He's everything that we wish we could be. He's better than all because he knows everything. Because he's more merciful than this. We can trust him. And we can ask him for anything that we can dare to imagine. Again, John 14, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Some people think that's why we say in Jesus' name at the end of our prayer. We say in Jesus' name because that's like the, we talked about it in the back earlier, that's like the magic, you know, formula, you know, for to getting Jesus to, to, to do what we want him to do. I said in Jesus' name, now you have to do it. You have to do it. You said if I ask for anything in your name, you got to do it, right? That's the, the, the caveat there, No. Right? It's not about the words. One of the reasons we ask in Jesus' name, hear me on this, one of the reasons we pray in Jesus' name is because Jesus is the only reason you can talk to God the Father in the first place. You couldn't talk to God the Father if it wasn't for what Jesus did for you on the cross and saving you. You couldn't even talk to him. But the other reason we say in Jesus' name because his name reveals his character and who he is. And what's his character? Oh, he's perfect, he's good, he's God, he's Savior. Amen? Listen, believing in advance is like a young couple who puts up a nursery before the wife is even pregnant. They know she, she's going to have a baby. You know, Ron Hutchcraft once said, right, because you stash that present in the closet, and then when December comes off, you dust it off. But you don't give the present in, this, you don't give the present in July. Why? Because it would spoil the joy. It would spoil the, the excitement of it, right? In prayer, your part and my part is to completely trust God while we, ate, wait, while we wait for the answers to come. Remember, God is the one who's going to give you the faith to pray when you pray. God is the one who's going to give you the faith to pray when you pray. Some of us, before we start praying for huge mountains to be moved in our lives, we've got to pray for a little more faith first. Amen? That's the truth. Because some of us can't pray for these big, we can't pray for these mountains to move yet because we don't have faith. But God says, hey, if you ask for me, if you ask, even if you're asking for more faith, God says, I'll give it to you. I'll give you more faith. Listen, when you and I pray, we should pray for something clear. And we should be specific without doubting that God is able to do anything that we ask of him. Why? Because you should be specific in your prayers. If you want specific outcomes, you need to be specific in your prayers. Do you hear me? If I, want, if I want this person, you know, John Smith, if I want John Smith to come to know Jesus, then I better pray that John Smith, not just everybody around the world, will come to know him. I'm going to pray for John Smith. I'm going to be specific because I want a specific 
response. I want that. The Daily Bread published a true story. Listen to this story. It gives me chills every time I talk about it. They published a true story some years ago. This young girl, so kids, listen to this. This young girl was very, very sick, and she was not expected to recover because she was so sick. But because she really loved Jesus so much, she was really sad that she wasn't able to do a lot for Jesus in her short life. She knew her short life was coming to an end. And so one day her pastor came, and he came to visit her in the hospital. And she was telling her pastor, I'm so sad because I haven't got to do a lot for Jesus. And the pastor said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to to make a list of, of all the people that you can think of in our tiny little town who don't know Jesus. And I want you to pray for them specifically that they would come to know Jesus. You can still do a lot for Jesus. Your time's not up. You can do a lot for Jesus. So the little girl listened to the pastor. She said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that. And so sometime later, a revival started in this little town. The girl heard of the people who were coming to Christ, and she started praying even more. When she would hear about one or two, she would pray even harder for the other 54. And as she heard the report, she checked off the names of those who had been led to the Lord. And after the girl died, there was a prayer list with the names of 56 people who were found under her pillow. That's the way. That is the power of specific, non-quitting prayer. So when it comes to prayer, we keep praying. We don't quit. We don't quit. We keep praying. We keep praying. And we keep praying. And then when you thought you prayed too much, guess what? You pray some more. You just keep praying. And then we wait for God to answer our prayer. Listen, God always answers a prayer that is prayed in faith. Every time. Now, it may not be the answer that you want, but he's always going to answer that prayer. But God will never ignore your prayer that's prayed in faith. Never. God will grant any prayer request that is, that is within his will. And so what's our promise today again? Our promise today is that we can move what? Mountains. That's huge. The question for all of us this morning is, are we willing to believe this? Are we willing to believe that God says that we can really move mountains and this can really happen? Are we willing to believe? Sadly, some of you will sit there and you already start convincing yourself before you walk out of those doors. No, this is for somebody else, not for me. That's a lie. This is for you. If you are in Christ, this is for you. You have access to this kind of power in God today. Amen? You have access to the power of God. It's God. You ask God to move that mountain. You ask him. And you ask God to do what only God can do. And when we're faced with a mountain that looks impossible, like there's nothing that's going to solve this problem, we go to the Lord and we beg him, please move this mountain. Amen? I'm going to try to start wrapping this up here. As I leave you guys for the next six weeks, I want you to know that I'm going to pray every single day for you. Every single day I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for your marriages. I'm going to pray for your kids. I'm going to pray for your jobs. I'm going to pray for your health. I'm going to pray for your protection. I'm going to pray for your joy. I'm going to pray for your peace. And I'm going to pray for your strength in the Lord. But I want to ask for a big prayer from you. Can I ask for a, a favor from you? My favor that I'm asked for from you is that you would pray for each other every single day while I'm gone. 
that you would pray for each other every single day while I'm gone. I want you to pray hard for your church family while I'm not here. Pray hard for them. Pray for specific big things for your church family. For big things. Pray for the Lord to move mightily in our church over the next six weeks. I don't have to be here for God to move. And I want God to move even when those men are going to come and fill this pulpit. We're praying for them, right? We're praying for, for a mighty movement of the Spirit in the lives of the people who are going to hear those words. We're praying for God to move in our small groups. We're praying across the board that God will move mightily in our church. We're praying that God would bring more people to worship with us. Pray for God to bring more people to grow with us. And here's another big favor that I'm asking of you. Can you do this? Can you do it? I'm going to ask you to encourage somebody else in your church family every single day while I'm gone. I don't care who it is. Pray about it. And then say, you know what, today, today it's Miss Linda Canty. So that's who God put on my heart today, and I'm just going to encourage her. And, and you encourage her some way, some shape, some form. Whether it's, hey, I, send her a text, I prayed for you. A call, whatever it might be, a knock at her door, a card in the mail, whatever it might be, this is the person I'm going to encourage today in my church family. And let's see what God does over the next six weeks in this place. Let's see what God does over the next six weeks in your life. Because you know what? Listen, somebody's going to be praying for you over the next six weeks. Somebody's going to be thinking about you over the next six weeks. I'm going to end with the story. In one region of Africa, the first converts to Christianity were very diligent about their prayer life. Very diligent. In fact, the believers had their own villagers. They would reach these, 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 these prayer rooms, if you will, by using their own private footpaths through the bush. When grass began to grow over one of those trails, it was evidence that the person who that trail belonged to had stopped praying. And so because these new Christians were very concerned for the spiritual welfare of their brothers and sisters in their village, a unique custom sprang up. Whenever anyone noticed that there was an overgrown prayer path, he or she would go to that person and lovingly warn them, friend, there's grass on your path. And in the end, hear me on this, New Beginnings, prayer is not a burden. Prayer is not a burden. It is not a chore. It is a privilege every single time that you get to talk to God. You get to talk to God. And we don't pray because we have to. We pray because we want to. You want to see mountains move? Amen? Then you got to pray. All right, you got to pray. And so listen, let me just, let me kind of just be blunt with you. Why bother praying at all if you don't believe that God's going to answer your prayer? Why waste your words? Why waste your breath? If you don't really believe that God can or will answer your prayer, then why pray? But friend, if you even have this much faith that God can answer that prayer, then you better pray it. You have this much faith that God can do it, you, you pray it. Amen? You pray it. And so, New Beginnings, listen, I want New Beginnings to be a, a church family that prays with confidence. It's too great for God, and nothing is too hard for God. Nothing. And so let the people of God at New Beginnings keep on praying. Let the people of God at New Beginnings claim God's promises. And let the people of New Beginnings say to that mountain, get up and go into the sea. May that be how New Beginnings prays. Amen? Let's stand back and let's see what God does. I love you, New Beginnings. Let me pray for you. Lord, what a joy and honor it is to be able to open your word with brothers and sisters. Lord, we, 
We've been blessed by you with a, with a, a beautiful property. Lord, this church has no debt, debt-free, not a single dollar of debt. Lord, the church is healthy, healthy financially, healthy spiritually. Lord, you're good. You're so good, and you're so faithful like we sang about earlier. Great is your faithfulness to new beginnings. Lord, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory for the good things that we have and the good things that we get to experience like this every Sunday where we get to come and we get to shake hands, we get to give hugs, give kisses, and we get to study your word together and sing to you and be encouraged and be equipped. Lord, that's just another example of your grace and your mercy in our lives. We don't deserve it, but you give it to an adult. Lord, everybody needed to hear this word today. Needed to hear that we can pray with this kind of boldness and confidence in faith. So, Lord, for, for those who may be struggling to, to, to believe this today, because that's going to be a struggle. Some of us, our own flesh is going to cause us to doubt. Some of us, the enemy is going to be whispering in our ears saying, don't believe that. That's not true. Lord, help us to believe that it is true. Help us not just to believe it, but help us to act. Help us to obey Help us to claim this promise and, and to really to pray this way. That before we even say amen, Lord, that faith helps us to see the, the, the answer of prayer. Lord, for those who aren't here, who, who weren't part of this today, Lord, help us to share that with them. Lord, help us to encourage those who weren't here. Lord, I'm going to pray for the next six weeks for this church family. Lord, for the next six weeks, I pray that, that you would do mighty things here. Lord, I'm going to pray for marriages to, to, to be healed if they're broken. I'm going to pray for those who are struggling financially, physically, spiritually, emotionally, that, Lord, that healing would take place in a supernatural way. Lord, I'm going to pray that people would be encouraged just so much. The next six weeks would become just a mighty prayer warrior church, that we pray in faith, we don't quit, and we trust God that you are powerful, that you can do these things. God, we're going to pray for more people to come to this church family, that our church family will continue to grow. Lord, we're grateful for the people that you have brought to this church family over the last several months. What a blessing that is. And God, we pray that more people would keep coming. More people would be able to keep growing and being equipped in your word. Lord, again, we just thank you for your many blessings. Lord, I know I love this, this church, and Lord, you love this church church body more than I do. Lord, you lay down your life on the cross for us in our place. You took the wrath of God for us in our place. God, we thank you for it. Jesus, we, we thank you for that, that you made it possible for us to be able to even talk to God the Father. You are the bridge that connects us to, to heaven, but to the Father more importantly. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're in us helping us, empowering us, equipping us to do all the things that we see that, that are promised that we can do and all the things that we are commanded to do. Holy Spirit, you are helping us every step of the way. Lord, again, I just pray for your protection over this body of believers. For every single person here, I pray for their protection, for miracles to happen, for mountains to be cast into the sea through this body of believers in faith, in your will. Lord, we do pray this in your name, Jesus. It's in your name we pray this because we trust you, because you are who you say that you are. You can do what you say you can do.
And so we trust you, and that's why we pray this in your name. Amen.